podcast that helps women plus in theater take center stage in lives they love. I am your host and enthusiastic kitty snuggler, Emily Stamets. My conversation today is a little bit long, so I'm going to keep my introduction here short. I tried so hard to edit what you're about to hear down to less than an hour, and it just was like physically impossible. Um, Every time I tried to cut something out, my heart just burst into pieces and I couldn't make myself do it. So with that in mind, uh, keeping my comments short, here's what I want us all to think about. It's really easy to look out into the world and despair that the kind of work we want to see by people who look like us isn't getting made. But chances are that it is getting made somewhere. And it's up to us to do the work to go find it. So for example, if we want to see more work by non-binary artists, we want to, want to see more work by queer artists, it is Pride Month after all, uh, if we want to see more work by female designers, if we want to see more work by people of color, we need to go out and find it and we need to support it with our footsteps and with our ticket sales. And here's, the, here's really the big message, in addition to just like go out and see the shows that you want to see, um, It's very, very possible that if the work of the kind that you want to see is not being made where you are, it might be up to you to make some of it because I guarantee that there is someone else in the world who's waiting for your work to come into their life. So be brave. There's at least one person out there waiting for you to create. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Shemi Yulu Tapapetul. Shemi is an incredible two-spirit artist. She, um, gosh, where do I start? Um, She is a transgender woman. She is originally from Cuscatan, which is known internationally as El Salvador. She's an actor, a playwright, an author, a model, an educator, and phenomenal to follow on social media as far as supporting her other artists that she knows, other queer artists, other two-spirit artists, other artists of color. She's constantly shouting out. So she's a really, 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 really good person to follow if you feel like you can't find work by the kind of people whose work you want to support. Start with Shemi because I guarantee she will lead you to the artists that you're looking for. Now, one thing before I get started, I mean, I know I already started, but here we are. Um, Our connection was a little bit fuzzy, so I've done my best to edit and clean it up as much as I could, but please know that I know the audio quality on this call is not the best, and I apologize in advance for any fuzzy any fuzziness, any unclarity. If you have questions about something specific that is said, please just email me with a time signature and I will go back and listen and make sure that I get you a written transcript of of what we said in that moment. And I'll take care of you, make sure you get exactly the information that you need. Okay, one last thing. I actually start every single conversation with my guests on this podcast by asking them to pronounce their name for me and asking their preferred pronouns. Usually I edit that out, but I'm leaving it in today because it led to a really, really interesting conversation with Shemi about gender and social constructs and all of that good, exciting stuff. So I wanted to leave that in because I think it gives some really important information and background. Okay, now without any further ado, here is my conversation with Shemi Yulu Tapapetul. 
Okay. What, let's start. Can you pronounce your full name for me? I want to make sure that I'm getting it totally correct. Of, of course. It's Shemi Yulu Manabusan Gapetichul. But you can call me Shemi. Um, and what pronouns do you prefer? Uh, I use she and her pronouns. Okay. And Aya when you're speaking in Spanish. Okay, perfect. Um, and you identify as a woman, as a trans woman? Like what, what is your sort of gender identity? I identify as a woman. I think that it really depends on um, the cultural context because as, mm-hmm. as many folks understand, gender is a cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And you can't talk about gender without talking about culture. And so when I'm talking about uh, white culture, when I'm talking about uh, like white theater, for instance, uh, people need to see me as a woman. And that's my first identification in those spaces. When I'm in white spaces, my identity is woman. When I'm in indigenous spaces, my identity is different. When I'm in trans spaces, my identity is different. When I'm in two-spirit spaces, my identity is different. And so uh, my identity is the same, but it changes depending on who I'm talking to and where it is that I'm existing. Because, yeah, gender is a cultural phenomenon. And if you're not... And if like folks are not understanding the culture from where I'm speaking from, then it's difficult for them to understand me as a person. And they, and so I have to adjust um, my, 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 not adjust my gender, but adjust my explanation and for their uh, level of understanding of my, of gender. Um, so when I'm talking in white spaces, I have to say, that, yes, I'm a woman and trans women are women. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Thank you for, for, uh, explaining that so perfectly, so concisely. And I think in like a parallel for that is, um, is maybe like language. So when I am in, uh, when I'm in a place where I'm speaking a, a language other than English, then m- the words that I use to describe myself are different. Um, so that's just maybe an mm-hmm. about how that code switching happens. Mm-hmm, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. In the play that I just did, um, this like we just closed like a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. It's called CYU, the Heart of a Woman. Um, and this play basically um <clears throat> talks about this topic and talks about um how gender is a cultural phenomenon. And the the main character in the show, she goes through this um this journey of understanding what her gender is um like she she starts off identifying as you know a trans femme a trans girl and then she goes on to this like understanding of herself as a two-spirit and specifically as a CYU which is uh, a term in my language now what which means part of a woman and it essentially translates to a trans feminine person, someone who experiences gender on the spectrum of femininity. Um, and it's like a term that's specifically given to um, the community that's, you know, trans and non-binary and gender non-conforming and intersex. Um, and so I, I wanted to share that play so that people could have an understanding of, of gender and indigeneity and transness and all these different concepts mm-hmm. uh, basically be brought to the stage and like be better understood from for, for, for people that don't really have that that um that access to that understanding. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when again, like gender is a cultural phenomenon, and so like when we talk about when we talk about like gender as it's understood in what is called American culture. Mm-hmm. It's understood through this Eurocentric uh, Christian um, ideology that tells us that two genders exist based on genitals found at birth. Um, and other cultures do not necessarily believe that um, g- gender is something that's discovered uh, during childhood by the youth and through the community support. And you know, there's rites of passage for people 
um, that 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 possess these these gender specific, you know, identities. Mm-hmm. And so um, history has like co- colonization through like history has basically made all these understandings been erased and, and like not just erased but like they literally burn the books that talk about these things and <clears throat> and so like these understandings have always existed they're just like hidden now mm-hmm. people don't pe- people don't talk about them in, in public spaces anymore and people are like like even though like you know we're seeing a lot of trans visibility we're seeing a lot of like performative allyship we're seeing a lot mm-hmm. of performative allyship toward the trans community um through like like playwrights writing trans characters into their into their plays but then like the way that the way that it plays out is not like positive for the trans community right. um and so like there's there's the conversations have been going on for time immemorial it's just that the 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 the, the the general community the the community that has the power has been consistently trying to silence that um and that just keeps repeating and repeating and repeating um do you want to give us for people who are not familiar with the phrase two spirit do you want to give us um a definition of that or your understanding of it or do you want to just let them do their homework <laughs> Uh, no, of course. I'll I'll I'll, I'll talk a little bit on it because you know, it, there's it's when you tell people go do your homework. Sometimes it it, it allow it gives space for for them to find the wrong information. Okay, that's true. um and 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 I, and I don't really want that to happen. And so like I I really do want folks to understand. So Tuesday was a term that was. Um, basically coined in the late 80s and basically came to um, the national or international spotlight in 1990 at a gathering of indigenous people in um, Winnipeg, um, which is in Canada, what is now known as Canada. Um, so these group of indigenous LGBT people, they found that they, there was discrimination coming from the indigenous communities that they were coming from, the diverse indigenous communities that they were coming from. And they also felt that there was a lot of discrimination coming from the LGBTQ TIA plus community that they were coming from. And they felt that like they couldn't be LGBT plus in the native community and they couldn't be native in the LGBT community. And so they needed to have a space that was specifically for native LGBTQ people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they took uh, a, a term from uh, a language, an Anishinaabe language, and they um, basically created an English term equivalent that they used as a spirit name that has been passed down um, to other two-spirit people um, through the years. Um, and so basically this term is a name that can be used for by a person who is Native American and LGBTQIA plus uh, to identify themselves, and it doesn't take away specifically from their own uh, from their own nation or their own tribal identity, um, but it is more like it's more like a term of um, solidarity amongst other two spirit people. The because right now the way that the world is. Two-spirit people and the two-spirit diaspora is very much um, all over the place. A lot of two-spirit people have to leave their their home nations because of transphobia and homophobia and intersex phobia and other forms of you know discrimination that that happens within Indigenous and LGBT communities. Um, and so um, there's lots of people that don't that no longer live within their within their tribe or within their nation, and now they live in like urban areas or they live with other two spirit people. Mm-hmm. And so um, folks use this term to connect with each other um, and be able to um, like hold space with one another and 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 seek safety within within the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I myself, I do identify as two spirit, 
that's one of the one of the identities that I do I, that I do use. Um, but specifically in my language, the term that would be used for my specific identity is CYUN. CYUN. That's S I W A Y U L, and this means heart of a woman. Um, see what the first part of it means heart. I mean woman, and the, and Yulu the second part of it means heart. And um, this term essentially means someone who is trans feminine, someone who experiences gender um, on the feminine spectrum. And um, they've been you know blessed by Creator to to hold this specific position in in society. Um, and so, yeah, it, 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 you know, two-spirit is the word that's like the general term, but Sibayul is a term that's specific. Tell me again what language that is. Uh, the language Nahuatl, Nahuatl. from, the, mm-hmm, from the, the nation of Cuscatan, which is known internationally as El Salvador. Um, okay, so let's dive into your journey as a, as a performing artist. What is the journey from the day that you've decided that being a theater artist was a good choice for you to today? Um, So the first time I did theater, um, so I grew up in Virginia. Um, I did, I was part of the chorus in my elementary school and um, my elementary school teacher was like, we're doing a play. All the chorus classes are going to do a play together, and each class is going to have its own like ensemble, and there's going to be soloists from each class. And so um, we were going to connect with like the other classes and basically form this play. And it was a really, it was a play about colonization. Now that like as an adult, I think about it, it's mm-hmm. a play about like the col- the colonization of. of uh, like it, it was like the Louisiana Purchase and the colonization of the western part of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so my class, we were playing the, I don't remember, I think, we, I don't remember exactly what we were playing, but they um, cast me as like a, um, oh, what's his name? Some, some person that became the, a president, but at that time he was just like a, me- a messenger or whatever. <laughs> And so they had me play some messenger and I had a solo and like, it was a lot of fun. Like it was like really enjoyable for me. Um, but then I just like, I, I just continued doing chorus because that was my main, that was my main thing. I love being in chorus. I continued doing chorus for a couple of years. And then when I got to high school, I was still in chorus. When I got to high school, um, I had a, my, my, a friend who was uh, my brother's girlfriend at the time. She was in theater. She said to me, I'm auditioning for this show. You should come out and audition with me. And so then I went out to audition with her and had a lot of fun. And I got cast in like the ensemble. And we did the show. I had a lot of fun doing it, so I decided to try it again the following semester, and then I, you know, I did it again, and then I did it again, and then I did it again, (laughs) and then I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to college for this. Um, A lot of people in my family told me that, like, that was, like, that wasn't, that wasn't the thing to do, because you know, we, I come from a, a refugee community. I'm like, like my dad, he migrated here on foot. And then like, he like asked for asylum and basically went through the entire process to bring my family here. And, and now that we're here, for me to go into like the performing arts, it's like seen as like, what are you doing with your life? We, <laughs> we like, we like you gained your freedom so that you could be a starving artist. <laughs> and, and so like, that's something that like my, my family didn't ever really understand. Um, that's like beyond the whole gender and that yeah. stuff. Like, like just like trying to understand why, why these, why the arts. Um, and so I 
went off to acting school. I went to school um, in Washington, D.C. I went to the National Conservatory of Dramatic Arts. Uh, and I had a really great time there. I studied a lot of really great styles of classical theater, which I fell in love with. Um, and um, I also studied like on-camera acting and um, film production. And it made me really love the, the idea of being a, um, a theater, not even, not just a theater performer, but a theater creator, someone who like produces work and someone who creates things and create and like brings people together. And, you know, I didn't want to just, I mean, I did go to acting school so that I could be like, so that I could learn about the, the, like the industry and all that. Um, but it was never my intention to always be like the star and always to be like the person to be, you know, in the spotlight or whatever um my goal was always to like bring other people in my community and put them in the spotlight um and so um I think that the thing that I gained the most from acting school was that production skill um being able to produce my own work and 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 bring my community to the spotlight um I I'm very fortunate to have been able to do that with with my with my theater collective and my artist collective. Um, we're gaining a lot of you know visibility um, for two spirit artists here in Washington D.C. and and even even around the United States. Um, and it's 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 really such a blessing. Um, like folks are are gaining more understanding on two-spirit folks and indigenous folks and trans folks. Um, and I, I, I feel super, super blessed to be where I am right now. That's awesome. So give us a snapshot of what it is that you are doing right now and where you are. Um, I am right now, I just finished doing my one woman show, which was amazing. We had a 10, uh, 10 performance run, uh, here in Washington, DC. Uh, we're going to bring that back for a couple of performances. We got invited to, um, per, uh, perform at, um, uh, the, oh, I'm going to butcher their names, but it's okay because they probably butcher our name too. Um, <laughs> um, their name is like the Washington Performing Center or something like that. They're doing something with the DC government um, with um, with council member something. I don't. I don't really know his name. I don't. I, don't I love it. Something. This is so amazing. Um, I will look it all up and I'll add it to the show notes. <laughs> right on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's called prose and politics or art and politics something like that okay <laughs> um and it's basically like they're they're bringing all these different artists from the city to like produce these political um art pieces for like council people and other people that are involved with dc government okay. um and so we're we're going to be participating in that showcasing two-spirit art in that we're going to probably do um, a piece from CYU Heart of a Woman. Um, we're also going to be bringing CYU Heart of a Woman to um, a action camp that's going to be um, be run by No Justice, No Pride, which is an organization here in Washington, D.C. that uh, a couple of years ago became, uh, basically blew up nationally because they, um, they basically protested and stopped Capital Pride um and basically like now capital pride has stopped bringing police to capital pride and so um um yeah like no justice no pride basically like were the badasses that basically stopped the police that stopped like the like bringing these terrorists to like a place that's supposed to be a safe space mm -hmm. um and so i'm super excited to be bringing you know cyu heart of a woman to that um 
to, to, to their action camp. And it's going to be like teaching a whole bunch of different uh, community members throughout DC, different org DC organizers and DC trans community members uh, about two spirit folks and about um, the stuff that's happening in our community. That's um, awesome. And finally, um, we're also participating in the DC Black Theater Festival this summer. Mm -hmm. um, we are going to be producing two plays. Uh, one, one, uh, one play is, is a, um, a one-act play called Protect and Preserve, which I wrote. Uh, it is a tribute to uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women and um, all the trans folks that have been murdered across the, across the world. Uh, this play is um, it tells a story of this trans lesbian couple, one of which has passed away and the other is still alive, and what happens after a loved one passes away because of murder. Mm. Um, and it's it's like a really it's a touching story that we brought to um, the DC Queer Theater Festival last December, and it was really really popular. We had three sold out shows. It was really really great, and we're bringing it back for the DC Black Theater Festival for the one act battle. Uh, we're gonna be competing against other one acts and we're hoping to take home the title. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'll be pretty over here. <laughs> Thank you. And That's we're also so going to be doing we're also going to be doing a stage reading at the DC Black Theater Festival of a new play that's going to be um, uh, the first play of our uh, next season, which has not been announced yet. So I can't announce it yet. Okay. But we're going to redo. We're going to be doing a stage reading of that play at the DC Black Theater Festival this um, summer. I'm so super excited about that. That's really <laughs> exciting. So when you say we, who are you talking about? Uh, when I say we, I mean which means indigenous roots in Nahuatl. Um, and it's a collective of two-spirit artists here on Piscataway territory known as Washington, D.C. Uh, we're also, some are in Virginia and some are in Maryland. And basically our goal is to create spaces for indigenous folks uh, that are LGBTQIA+, also known as two-spirit, um, in the D.C. arts, in um, in different forms of uh, education and also activism and um, healing. And basically we go around to different conferences and talk about two-spirit justice, we talk about trans justice. We get invited to go to different um, organizations and talk to their students and to their adults. And um, yeah, we do a lot of different types of stuff, but we also focus on theater, on two-spirit theater. And that's one of our programs um, that we're now, we're now participating in Theater Washington's um, Emerging Theater Program, hoping to become like one of their official theaters in a couple of years. Um, but we're going through a judification process right now. Um, and so we're just really excited to be part of this community that seems to be embracing trans folks. And we're trying to find a way for them to also include two-spirit folks in that. Yeah. So is this an organization that you helped found or is this um, some, some <clears throat> got involved with after it already existed? No, yeah, there's something that I founded. Um, so I was, as I mentioned before, like um, one of the things that I took most from my acting school was like the production and, and that aspect of theater. Um, and so after, after I, I, I was working in DC theater for about three or four years, after graduating um, from acting school. And uh, a lot of the roles that I was getting were not the best. And some of the, some of the roles that I did get were that were the most, the best roles that I had were the roles that were um, more relevant to my identity as an indigenous person. Um, but the problem with those specific shows was that uh, the directors and the folks involved um, were doing um, violent things like red face, which is mm. uh, casting casting non-indigenous actors in indigenous roles. And so after the production was over, um, a couple of folks and I that run the cast got together and decided to form um, a forum that we talked about these issues. And we invited the theater and we talked about it in a public space. And then other, other indigenous artists came out to the event and then afterward, those artists and, and myself and another artist that was involved in the show, we talked 
um, and we realized that the three of us were two-spirit artists, and um, we formed this company, and we continued doing work throughout the years, and it was in 2015 that we formed, so it's been, a, been almost three years in May. Congratulations. So Thank you. That's amazing. It's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've grown, like we've grown a lot. Like we first, it was just the three of us, and you know, the two, two of them, the two of them are no longer involved. They've, they've gone separate ways. They're doing other stuff, but um, other folks have come on, and more community has come on. We we first were focused on indigenous youth and indigenous elders, and then we started focusing specifically on like the LGBTQ community, and now we're centering the transgender, the intersex and the gender non-conforming community specifically mm-hmm. um, that's indigenous. And so, yeah, that, that's where we're at now. That's awesome. And that growth is such a great indication of the need that, that you're filling, right. the people who weren't being served before, who are being served with your work. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shemi, tell us a vivid memory that you have of the theater. Oh, okay. I have a vivid memory. Okay. I, I have so many vivid. I have so many vivid memories that come to mind. <laughs> but the one that's stuck in my head right now, I was doing the show once. Oh, oh, you're um, already giggling. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was doing the show once where we were inside of an apartment building. And I was playing um, the main character's roommate. Um, and the main character's roommate was basically just inside the apartment the entire time. And there was one specific scene where they come out and they're wearing very little clothes. Um, um, but then they, you know, they go back and they put their clothes on and they're dressed again. Um, because I have I've no, I I mean, I've grown I've grown I've grown <laughs> but <laughs> I've noted that I do have a, a a problem as an actor with presetting my things okay. um, I forget I I forget sometimes and I completely forgot to preset my clothes that I changed into oh, no. for for the production. And the only way for me to have access to those clothes was to go all the way around the theater and to get them. So I basically had to do this entire scene and like not the entire scene, but the entire show <gasps> in just my in just my underclothes. Oh my goodness. Um, and my parents were in the audience that day. <gasps> no! <and> I, was, <laughs> I was I was like, oh my goodness, this this show needs to end. This show needs to end. <laughs> <laughs> and there wasn't anyone, there wasn't like a stage manager, like a, a an assistant of some sort that could have like gotten your clothes for you. See the scene, the scene was just like it was just the two of us. So it was like a, it was a three person show, and so the scene was just the two of us. And so there was really no like there was no way for us oh, to get around. No, oh that it is was, so funny. <laughs> it was hard. I can imagine. I mean, it's one thing to be on stage for a little bit, like underdressed, but to have to do an entire scene if you're not if you haven't rehearsed it and you're not like prepared for it mentally. I don't know. I yeah. don't know what I would, I probably just would have run off of stage crying. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> uh, okay. Next question. <laughs> what is the most important lesson that you've learned in the theater? Maybe it is that you should preset your clothes. <laughs> um, most important lesson I think that, I think it's also a lesson that I have to relearn constantly, but um, I think the most important lesson that I've learned is that my work isn't for everyone, and um, that, that's okay, it's okay, it's it's not meant to be for everybody, Um, 
it's meant to heal a very specific community and it's meant to empower a very specific community mm-hmm. and not everybody is going to be empowered by that not everybody's going to be empowered by seeing other people that are more marginalized than them be empowered um which is something that like it's expected of us all the time as marginalized people we're expected to like like a lot of times people are you know with like this whole like like Susan B. Anthony for instance Mm -hmm. people are always expecting women of color to be inspired by Susan B. Anthony inspired by the women's rights movement and by like um suffrage when the reality is that Susan B. Anthony was a racist and a transphobe and not someone that would get any accolades today in a progressive world. Um, and so like, we're expected to hold these narratives and these ideas to high regard um, and to find inspiration in them. But like the narratives of trans women and two-spirit folks and other marginalized people um, it's seen it's seen as like a niche, a niche on like a niche or whatever. I'm not really sure how you pronounce the word. Like a, a niche, a niche, um, um like, oh, those stories are just for trans people. Oh, I'm not inspired by that because mm. that's that's just that's a, just a trans story or that's just a native story. Um and for me I'm just like, all right, that's fine. My work's just not for you. Like you can yeah. keep your Susan B. Anthony, you can keep your Abraham Lincoln, you can keep your Hitler, you can keep all your, you can keep all your heroes. I am just, I'm not, I'm not going to like fall for it. Like I'm going to uplift my community. I'm going to uplift my my people, and my my transcestors. And if you are here for it, then dope. If you're not, if you like, if you're here to learn and like you're here to grow, that's great. And if not, then that's also great. Yeah. So how do you, um, do you find yourself sort of like, like falling into the trap of, well, I need to make this accessible or it needs to be more marketable. And then if that happens, how do you get yourself back out of it and remind yourself that you don't have to be for everybody? Um, I, I think that like, um, access, I think that access is a word that can mean different things. Like for me, um, when I say access and that, and, and the, the regard that I was just talking about, I wouldn't really mean it as access. Like, I don't think that it's digestible for everybody. Mm-hmm. But in regards to access, everybody has access to the work. Um, and I make sure that, like, in the work that Nelwari Shamewa does, we ensure that our work is not just done in English. We also have, like, we also have work that is in Spanish because the D.C. metropolitan area, uh, the uh, most people in the D.C. metropolitan area either speak Spanish or communicate with the Amer- with American Sign Language as um, as a primary form of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's incredibly important for both Spanish and American Sign Language to be included in all of D.C. theaters, like, work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our group, even though we don't have the budget to, like, do all this type of stuff, we always make sure to have communication with, with DC deaf community and DC Latinx community and seeing what the needs are um, and how we can support. So we bring on interpreters, we bring on um, translated materials um, so that it could be accessible to a large variety of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, not, it's not digestible for everybody. It could be accessible, but not, not digestible. Mm, that is a really, that's a good distinction. I like that a lot. What is a challenge that you're facing right now? Um, uh, for sure, the capacity that folks have. Um, it's really difficult for transgender Native American theater artists to exist as a, as a reality because um, many of us are suffering through homelessness and job displacement and family displacement and uh, other forms of discrimination, racism and transphobia and lack of access to medical care. 
Um, there's so many different factors that prohibit trans Native American artists from participating in the theater, and as well as like education and access to classes and funding for those classes, et cetera. Um, there's so many factors that, that prohibit trans Native artists from existing that it's difficult for it's difficult for for folks to to exist, but to for that to exist, like um, folks have to stop stop doing theater or stop doing art and move on to other stuff that is more lucrative or produces more finances for themselves. Um, and so, for us as a theater group, it's difficult to find the funding because we do have to fundraise every single like every single time. We don't have a five hundred one c three status, we don't have access to those like um, economical and structural like privileges. Um, we just have to depend on um, individual um, individual donations from from community members. And so we, we we have we have you know we do like when we apply for grants, we, we have a very limited amount of grants that we can apply for. And so there's like we, we apply for grants and we also call, um, call out to our community to make sure that they're supporting two-spirit artists. Um, and so it's just challenging being able to combat capitalism and also trying to, you know, bring this work to, to fruition. Um, yeah. Capitalism is, is, a, is, is, a, is one, of the, one of the main deterrents, um, though we do find ways to combat it, um, it's still it's still capitalism. Um, and I mean, that's not really true. It's also racism and transphobia, mm -hmm. all this stuff, all, all this stuff. That, and it's all connected, really. The reality is that it is all connected. It all, it all comes from the same root. It all comes from, you know, this, this desire to see people like us not exist. Um, like, because it's so expensive to produce a show, Two spirit theater doesn't exist. Like you don't, you don't, you, and trans theater doesn't exist. Indigenous theater doesn't exist. Like the reality is that we are the first theater professional theater company in Washington D.C. metropolitan area to produce uh, even one production that is a team of Native American artists, transgender artists that has a run of more than three performances. And we had we had ten performances for each of our shows, mm -hmm. and so it's like it's like three times the amount of what it's like average, and so it's like it's it's showing that the community is not invested in trans stories and it's not invested in trans talent, and is not invested in trans people and specifically, mm -hmm. um, when we see trans narratives on on stages, it's usually written by a cisgender artist. Mm -hmm. And when we see those transgender characters on stage, they're usually presented with trans with cisgender actors. And when we see the designers, they're all cisgender. Mm -hmm. And so trans artists are not being given opportunity. Um, and the same thing goes for Native American artists. When you see Native American stories, you don't see Native American artists. You don't see Native American playwrights. You don't see Native American designers or actors. Um, and and it's it's tough as a theater artist having to witness that and having to feel this um, this need to have to combat it um, because we would love to do stories that are just you know stories but a lot of times there is that obligation that oh you have to not just do stories you have to do things that educate you have to do things that you know that is that that that, that tell people like that they're, they they need, they need to do better um so yeah it's a lot of different a lot of different angles that are coming at as artists like as marginalized artists but specifically two-spirit artists um in the theater to be able to exist. Yeah. So what would you say to um, 
artists in marginalized communities who are sort of facing that same challenge and people who want to be allies beyond the performative allyship that we talked about a little bit earlier, what would you recommend for us and for for artists in marginalized communities? Yeah, so for marginalized artists, I'd say connect with other artists um, in, in any way that you can. Not everybody has the physical access to people um, and not everybody has the electronic access either. But some folks may be able to have one one type of way. And if you don't have either way, then um, then then there's other we can always like brainstorm other ways to find. Mm-hmm. But like if you if you have access to a computer, then use Instagram, use Twitter, use Facebook, use hashtags like that connect you to other people that are like you. Like if you're a two-spirit, use the two-spirit tag. If you are a trans person, use the transgender tag. If you are, you know, intersex, use the intersex tag. There's different ways to connect with community members that um, are doing like work. Um, like specifically, if you are doing new work, if you're doing a new theater play, use new play, the hashtag new play. If you're doing like Latinx theater, do hashtag Cafe Onda. If you're doing like native theater, do hashtag instead of red face. And so like being able to find the different communities to connect with um, allows folks to be able to see what everybody else is doing, to be able to be inspired and also to be able to know like, like, oh, these are the people that I can look up to. Um, and also to be able to show people that like, oh, I'm doing work too, see what I'm doing. Um, and building community through those different hashtags. Like if you're, if you see another person of color at an audition, talk to them. If you see another, like um, another trans person, you know, at a theater social or whatever, talk to them, like get their contact information. Um, build community because building community is how we are able to share each other's work. Um, and that's, the main important part that I would like to like reinforce, share each other's work. Because if we're not sharing each other's work, then um, then the word the work isn't gonna be is not gonna get the outreach that it should be getting. It's community and and that's how we're able to, you know, uplift our own community. Um, the reality is that like cis artists are uplifting cis artists. Mm-hmm. But trans artists, like a lot of times we have to focus just on our own work. Um, and so we're just like like sharing our work and sharing our work and sharing our work. But it's also important to share other trans artists' work and ensure that like their work also gets the visibility because we all have different um, different platforms and we all have different um, audiences that we reach. Um, and so by sharing each other's work, we're able to get the work out to much more people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for, for, for non-marginalized people, be sure to pour into the work of marginalized artists. If you don't know any marginalized, marginalized artists, go into those hashtags, not to, not to take up space, but to find the artists that need support. Um, and also there are other, there's other hashtags that are specifically for people that are looking for people to support. There's the hashtag trans crowdfund. And that was created by a black trans woman, trans person to be able to create spaces for trans people and specifically trans people of color that are seeking support for their medical bills or their artwork or their survival, other forms of needs that they have. Um, And so be sure to like, donate 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 and share you know re like not just money but also like re like um relocate the goods that you have like if you are a theater group and you have you know 10 black drama boxes that you don't use Mm -hmm. donate them to smaller theater groups or to Black-owned theater groups or to Indigenous-owned theater groups or specifically trans two-spirit groups. Like, donate your things so that they don't have to go out of their way to have to fundraise for those things. 
fun. Like even if you don't have, if you don't have anything to donate, share your space, like share Mm -hmm. your theater space, allow people to come and do performances at your space or allow them to use your storage because they don't have their own space. There's so many different ways that we can redistribute our, um, our resources to be able to support everybody because like the reality is so many people are receiving thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars from local government from national government from federal government I mean from other national organizations for the arts Mm -hmm. and those those resources are being stored and hoarded and not being used for seasons and seasons and seasons and it's just like an injustice yeah absolutely Um, I want to point out something that I noticed on your Instagram feed. So yesterday was your birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday. (laughs) I noticed that. I was like, oh, I'm so excited. Um, So happy birthday, first of all. Thank you. you. Yeah. So, but I noticed on your Instagram feed, um, you posted on your birthday, a whole stream of ways that like of, uh, trans sisters and two spirit artists and just a whole list of people that I could be supporting. Um, they're people exactly. that you're connected to, but it was, you know, it was your birthday. You weren't saying like, it's my birthday, send me some stuff. You were like, it's my birthday, <laughs> support my community. And I thought that was really beautiful. Um, and I definitely like, I flipped through all of them. And I was like, oh my God, these are like incredible. Uh, just, you know, anyone who's listening, you should go find that post on Shemi's Instagram feed. Um, Cause it's just a whole list of people doing incredible work. You know, these uh, like artists that don't have a ton of visibility. So go like find them, follow them, support them, um, you know, fund them if you can, if it's within your ability. I thought that was a really cool thing you did. Thank you. And you know, even if you can't fund these folks by sharing, by reposting, by retweeting, by doing the thing, like by screenshotting and reposting it on your page, it gains visibility and allows other folks, and then by telling other folks, hey, invite folks to this, hey, share this, by getting the word out, it builds community and it builds, um, it builds the scope of like the people that will donate. Someone at some point, even though you can't donate, maybe the 100, the 1,000 people that follow you you know, maybe one of them will be like, oh, I can donate 20 bucks. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and then you did, you did your part. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. It's, and it's so simple, right? What is one thing that you do in your theatrical work that if I did it in my life, it would make my life better? One thing that I do in my theatrical work is that I center trans women um, through centering, you know, through centering Indigenous folks and Two-Spirit folks specifically, I, I specifically center trans women. And I think that this will help a lot of people out in the world because, um, so you know how folks are like, just having a woman in your workspace will improve the quality of the work that happens in the space. Like, just, it, like this brings diverse minds into the space and, and creates new ways of thinking. That same way that like having a person of color in a space will will bring different ways of thinking to a space. Having a trans woman of color in a space will improve the quality, improve the vision, improve the mission. It it improves absolutely everything that a project, not just like what it stands for, but also like where it can go. Um, Mm. Oh my gosh, I love that. For an organization to say, I am dedicated to... Uh, ensuring that trans women of color have access to work, have access to house, have access to medical care. It says a lot about where that organization is and where that organization is going to like lead. Um, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Everyone should do it. Everyone, Everyone should, should do that. <laughs> All right. Should theater be required life curriculum? Um. I think that the word required is really strange um, when we, when, because it it creates like this this space where choice is like taken away. Um, and the reality is that like not everybody has access to theater already. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and so the, the, the question should rather be, should theater be accessible to everybody? And the answer is yes. Um, it shouldn't be requ- it shouldn't be like required of people to to like participate in theater, but it should be something that is accessible to folks. Mm-hmm. And also, like the understanding of what theater is is very limited to people. So like people disqualify specific things as valid as theater because it's like it's not doesn't reach a very spe- a specific a specific way that they understand. So like maybe. Um, for instance, um, I'll take something, for example, that has recently happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reached out to by this organization because one of my books was nominated for a Lambda Literary Award. And uh, I got reached out to by this organization. They wanted me to submit my, my story to their organization for their award because I was nominated for this other award. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And then afterwards, um, when they released their... Um, their their nominees or whatever I wasn't nominated and the category that I submitted for was actually erased it was like it didn't even exist anymore and so I reached out to them and I said to them hey what's going on why isn't my thing there and they were like oh we had we we were we're allowed to remove things at our discretion um blah 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 okay and so the play that I submitted was my play CYU Heart of a Woman Mm -hmm. and at one part in the play um the play is trilingual. So it's in Spanish and Nahuatl and in English. It's mostly in English with uh, with a good amount of Spanish and a little bit of Nahuatl. But there are some parts in the show where there is absolutely no English. Mm -hmm. And if you do not speak English, and if you don't speak, if you don't speak in a language other than English, you're not going to have a very easy time understanding what's going on unless you like pay attention to the scene and see like, like everything that's going, if you pay attention to theater, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so I submitted this play, you know, and it also, like, I understand it's being read. I submitted this play for this, for this award that they told me to submit for. And um, I emailed them. I was like, hey, the category was eliminated. What happened? And, and they were like, oh, we didn't have enough people submit. You were the only person submitting. And so we decided to just erase the, um, I knew that you were the only person submitting, but I, I eliminated the thing because we didn't have anybody else submit. And I was like, well, that's not really fair. If you knew that nobody else was going to submit, then why did you ask me to submit? Yeah. Why did you like, like, why did you have me pay to submit and then like just to basically take my money? Oh. Um, and she was like, oh, well, the, the committee read the, the stories and said that it was subpar. Um, and so, to, in my head, I was like, "Well, this is what this is what colonizers are always going to say. Like, if you if they're not understanding what if they're not understanding what the words are being said in the book, if they don't if they don't have like the if if for them it's just like jibber jabber, like like native theater is just seen as like this strange exotic thing that doesn't really count as theater, mm-hmm. then um, it's not it's not valid as theater, and so like." going back to your question, like we have to change the perspective of like what we understand as theater. Mm-hmm. This native theater, native theater is theater. It is valid. It is not subpar theater just because like it's in indigenous languages, just because it's in a, it's in a, it's in a style and a language that other, that non-native folks do not understand does not make it invalid as theater itself. Um, and so the understanding of what theater means and what theater is needs to be changed as well. Yeah. Um, so not only do we yeah. need to make sure that theater is accessible to everyone as they grow up, um, but also making sure that work that's not just like by old white guys is accessible to everyone uh, and that there are like multiple definitions of theater and multiple styles of performance and multiple languages of performance that are accessible. Exactly. Yeah, snaps and, and, and like these works, like these works already exist. Like there are already organizations doing this work, but they're just not called theater, right? Because that's that's not what like is access- acceptable as theater, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that award committee, I don't know who it was. I, I don't know. I can't decide if I want you to tell me who it was or not, because I would probably write um, 
make some very angry phone calls on your behalf. Um, I'd be like, hello, I am a cis white woman. Let me speak my voice. <laughs> Let me raise this with you. Um, using my privilege. Um, but, uh, right. So I don't know who they are, but honestly, if they only got one submission in a category, they need to try harder to reach the people who are creating work within that category. Like that's on them. Say that. Say that. Uh, ugh, ugh, ugh. Oh, that makes me so angry. <sighs> okay, take, take, taking a breath, <laughs> composing myself. Um, I'm really sorry that happened to you. That's really shitty. Um, did they at least give you your um, submission money back? No. <gasps> no. Oh, I'm even angrier. Oh my God. Okay. You're going to have like, maybe after the call, you can say they're who they are on the podcast if you want. And you'll have like a horde of angry people on your behalf. You can definitely just tell me and I'll, I'll be a horde of one for you. Um, that's just like, that's just so wrong. That's like, that's just yeah, a, totally. like a complete yeah. violation of trust and like just a basic ethical code. Yeah, completely. And like afterwards, um, we had a conversation with we, we, in the email thread. Um, after I was like, um, "You're this is not this is wrong." We targeted me like as a trans woman of color, an indigenous trans woman, a two-spirit person, specifically so that I could give money that I did not have that I had to fundraise for, for you to basically just be like, "Oh, we eliminated your category." Like, it's not fair. It's like it's it's racist it's classist it's transphobic it's all these different like the all these different things and you have to understand how it is you as a white this gender woman are like doing this to me mm -hmm. um and she was just like i have a black friend and my daughter <laughs> no. <laughs> no she did not <laughs> and i was like oh i I think that I think that you need to understand that that this is textbook racism and transphobia. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. And just the, <laughs> oh god. I oh oh like I don't even have words. Like just the privilege that it is to to not see that. Like the the blindness that if you can't see that for what it is for the racist transphobic terrible shittiness that it is then that's like a huge problem on its own though i do not want to use blindness as a negative because oh, they're you, you know blind you. because blind people are valid and blind people you know it's, it's a valid identity to exist as a blind person like being able to see is not end all of existence thank you that is um, true yeah um so unawareness would have been a more um specific clear term Thank you. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for calling me out on that. I appreciate it. Okay. Let's take a moment. Um, will you please plant a seed in the hearts, minds, mm. spirits, or all three of the people who are listening today? A seed? What kind of seed? Something that will grow or could potentially grow if they decide to nurture it. Hmm. Okay. Think about who you are what your privileges are, what you can do to redistribute those privileges, and how you can ensure that future generations also have access to safety, freedom, and justice. Thank you. That is one that I'm definitely going to nurture. Um, if someone who's listening wants to hire you, they want to invest in your work, they want to connect with you, um, they want to learn more about what you do, what is the best way to find you? Um, you can find me on social media, uh, Shemi, X-E-M-I-N-E-C-Y-U-L-S-I. W-A-Y-U-L. So that's Shami Nessiwayul, X-E-M-I-N-E-S, sorry, X-E-M-I-N-E-S-I-W-A-Y-U-L. And that's on Instagram and on Twitter and on Patreon and on Facebook. I'm both Shami X. 
S-H-E-M-I-D-A-T-W-O-S-P-I-R-I-T. That's Shemi the Two-Spirit. Um, and I don't, I do have a website. I don't have a, um, what you call it, a, uh, a link link yet. Um, it's still in the works, but if you go to, if you, you can follow my, um, my artist collective, Nelwadishkamewe. Our website is Nelwadishkamewe.com. That is N-E-L-W-A-T-I-S-H-K-A. M E W E dot com. And on there, like we we have different um stuff that different workshops and stuff that we offer. But I individually can be contacted as well. Um via via social media is great. But you can also email me, um, Shemi the two spirit at gmail.com. Perfect. Oh my gosh. So like so many options of how people can reach you and connect with you. Um, there are no excuses people. If you want to connect with Shemi, there's a thousand ways to do it. Um, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again so much for the time and energy that you shared with me and the podcast listeners today. Thank you for the work that you do in the world for helping to raise, the voices of marginalized people um, and continuing to fight for that and helping people like me who want to be allies that are not just performative allies um, to learn more and to um, be better. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. Papa Dios. That's how you say thank you in my language. Oh, say it Papa again. Dios. Papa Dios. Papa Dios. Mm-hmm. Or Padish. That's many thanks, but um, I like to, I like I like to say many thanks, which is Papa Dios. But thank you is Padish. Oh, Padish. Thank you so much, Shemi. <laughs> Padish. Right. Have a beautiful day. You take care. Niawatel. That is all for today. If you want to chat about what you've heard, learn about upcoming episodes before they drop, or simply say hello, you can follow Find Your Light Podcast on Twitter and Instagram at FYL Podcast or on Facebook at Find Your Light Podcast. You can find me at the Emily Stamets on any of those platforms, or you can email me anytime at podcast at emilystamets.com. And please do. It's really important to me to hear your feedback and to know how this podcast is helping you in your life. That is literally the energy that this podcast is running on right now because I don't get anything else. (laughs) Take a second right now to hit that subscribe button, leave a rating, leave a review, and remember to tell your friends how awesome this podcast is so that they can subscribe too. If you or someone you know would make a great guest, email the Find Your Light team, which of course is me and my cat, Subi, and you can email both of us at podcast at emilystamets.com. Until next time, stand confidently center stage and enjoy your show.